0: Welcome everybody to SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and it is great to be with you today on Southern California Live, this beautiful day in Southern California. I am um, just so happy to be here because it's also opening day, baseball opening day. Dodgers are in Colorado. They're ahead five to two, eighth inning. That's all I'm going to say about that for, for right now. and uh, But I'm looking forward to a season where we've been promised a world championship by uh, manager Dave Roberts. He uh, Did you hear that? He promised a world championship. He guaranteed it. And, uh, you know, somebody did that once in Los Angeles uh, when I was a kid, Pat Riley, the coach of the Lakers, and the Lakers did it. They repeated. They He promised to repeat, and they did. And then the very next year during the celebration, the parade, uh, the Laker players put duct tape over his mouth so he couldn't promise again. Can you imagine the pressure that is on you? Well, we'll see if Dave Roberts is right. Maybe we can have him on the show. We'll ask him who's going to win the election and some other things. We'll do a, we'll do a prediction show. What do you think is going to happen uh, next year? Welcome, everybody. Again, Southern California Live. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever is on your mind today. I've got some things, and we'll go through them here in just a minute. 888 528 2557 is the number. You can ask any question you want about the Bible, about a current event, something that's on your mind, and 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com if it's more convenient for you to send an email right now. I wanted to begin by updating you on something that we have worked hard to do together the last couple of weeks on our program. We have had a couple of episodes dedicated um, to the issue of human trafficking. And to a vote that was coming up in the California Senate Public Safety Committee. And I wanted to update you on what happened and maybe where we are from now. So the deal was the California Public Safety Committee in the California State Senate was in committee working on a bill. This bill, Senate Bill 1042, would have would have changed. I I don't know if you can still hear me. Can you still hear me? I've lost myself in, in the thing here. Oh, I'm back. Did everybody else hear me do that? OK. So. All right. That's no problem. You know, it's a it's a Friday. That's what uh, we're able to work those things out. Uh, where was I? Oh, I uh, sent a bill 1042. It was introduced by Republican senator, state senator Shannon Grove, and it would have changed California law to include human trafficking in the list of crimes that are classified as violent and serious. And the strangest thing – and you wouldn't know this. I didn't know this until this issue was brought to my attention a couple of weeks ago. Under current California law, human trafficking is defined as non-serious and non-violent crime. And – That is just shocking because it is a very serious and very violent crime. So what this bill would have done is it would have created – turned it into a serious and violent crime. It's obviously serious and violent. I think everybody would say it's serious and violent from layman's terms. But in a legal sense, it is not listed as a serious or violent crime, which means that sentences for people who are convicted of human trafficking – are much lower than they otherwise would be. And this bill would have made it serious and violent, and it also would have become a strike under California's three-strike sentencing law. And under that law, anyone convicted of a third violent or serious offense is sentenced to at least 25 years in prison. I think they changed that a while ago. I thought that it was automatic life in prison, but it's at least 25 years. Well, the Senate Public Safety Committee, what we did is we had some guests on. They were very profound. You can find those on the podcast if you go to KKLA.com if you want to bring yourself up to speed on this issue. I think those episodes were really profound in teaching us some things. We all learned about what's happening right here in California. We are number one in the country where human trafficking is happening and it's happening with kids. It's happening with kids right under their parents' noses sometimes in apartment complexes and in our neighborhoods. And sometimes as a parent, you just think your kid is acting up or having some teenage rebellion and those kinds of things. But what's actually happening is they're being trafficked. It's not just runaways. It's not just kids who have parents who are not around or who are dealing with their own personal problems. It's a scary thing. And we've had testimony from people who have shared their experience. It's very moving. And so some district attorneys, not Los Angeles, but some district attorneys up and down California have endorsed this bill. Many, many more people have endorsed it. Well, the bill did not make it out of committee. It failed. But I I don't want you to be discouraged because of this reason. The bill had so much more attention than usually has been given. This is the third time it's failed. But here's what happened. There were so many of you who called up, so many of you who signed the petition that we put out there, so many of you who actually called your state senator, the the five state senators, two of them right here from Los Angeles, who are on that Senate committee that it made an impact. And what happened is they were supposed to call the bill in the morning on Tuesday, and I've been off the last couple of days, or otherwise I would have talked about it on Wednesday. They were supposed to call the bill, uh, but they kept pushing the time back, 10 o'clock, 11, 1.30, then 2 o'clock. And the word was they were stalling because so many people called into support. If you were really following this, you actually had the ability to call into the hearing and give your support. And they had so many more people calling. So many people signed the petition. A lot of people showed up in Sacramento for a rally beforehand about why this needs to be passed, including victims of human trafficking parents and kids and what ended up happening is only three of the five senators on the committee actually even showed up for the presentation our two la state senators didn't show up and the vote was one yes one no and one declined to vote which then counts as a no so it lost one to two so it did not pass today but my friends do not give up this is going to come up again and we're going to be on it and i really believe that because of you It made an impact. Because of you, it got a lot more publicity. I think it's just such a a shocking thing. I think people just don't understand. I think everybody understands that we have human trafficking and that it's bad. But I think people don't realize that the penalties for being caught with that are not very severe, relatively speaking. You could get a five-year sentence, and then you're out in a year and a half. Or even a 15-year sentence, and maybe you're out in four, and it terrorizes the victims. It terrorizes them and prevents them even from testifying. Why should I testify against somebody who might actually murder me when he gets out if in just 18 months he's getting out? Uh, That makes it really difficult, especially if you're a child. This is going on in our state. This is going on not just one person here or there. This is going on with an awful lot of people. So I want to thank you for participating in that, and I want to thank uh, Zoe International for uh, bringing that to our attention. You can go to that website, uh, our guest, gozoe.org, Z-O-E, G-O-Z-O-E.org, and uh, check it out. Don't be uh, – you should be disappointed, but do not give up. I think the next time this comes up, it's going to get passed. The reasons that it it doesn't, you know, it's a yeah. – one of the things that is very, very frustrating that does happen in this is sometimes the victims are put to work for the human trafficker, right? So the victims of human trafficking end up doing some of the trafficking themselves, and they invite their friends, and they try to get their people uh, into it. And what happens is once the, the human trafficking ring is convicted, some of the victims actually come have charges brought up against them. So some of the The fight against this is to say, well, we don't want to unfairly punish the victims of doing this. My thinking is that that is not enough to not make it a serious and violent crime. We should instead do the work to discern how we charge people involved, that we should do the work to have legislation and do the work to have just simple law enforcement discernment. I think your regular law enforcement officers can probably do this. I think our district attorneys can do this, the ones that who still believe in crime. I think that we have the ability to actually make this a serious and violent crime in California and do something to protect those victims who are brought into the human trafficking rings, who participate in it. But they're participate, participating in it because they are under threat themselves of losing their lives or they are brought into it because – they have been so emotionally and mentally damaged by what they've experienced that now they're a part of it. Those things happen. We understand how those things happen. I do believe that we should be able to discern this. So don't give up. That's where it stands. It will come up again, and we'll let you know when that happens. And uh, I want you to know that this audience, you and the, your friends that you forwarded the Facebook stuff to and everything, you made a difference. You, you sent a message to Sacramento who thinks, rightly, unfortunately – that the people of California ignore these issues, and we do, I hope that that's going to change. I think that that actually can change. And I think that this is a, a, a nonpartisan issue, really. This is not left and right, all right? There are some issues. There are some people on the far left who are very concerned about um, criminalization of more things. They're very concerned about crowded prisons, and they're very concerned about lots of issues related to that. But I think even most of you who might be thinking and worried about that, when you take a look at what human trafficking really is, I think that you're on the page that if we're to put anybody in prison, if there is a good reason for a three-strikes law, this is it. This is the reason. This is something we should do. Uh, So thank you for participating in that. And uh, don't give up and don't feel like it won't work, because I think the next time it's going to work. I think that the fact that people didn't show up, the fact that they – kept pushing the hearing because there was so much politics, so much attention that was unexpected. That's good. And together, we can do something. I often wonder how, you know, we talk about a lot of issues. And if you're like me, you're having conversations with friends about issues in our culture and the different politics of different things. I have a theory. I think that we all agree, actually, a lot more than we disagree. I think that people who get a lot of attention on the news or people who are on the far right or the far left who say crazy things, but it gets you agitated and it gets you to watch and pay attention and get agitated, but you won't turn the channel, which means that you're going to watch the ads and they make money. And unfortunately, that's so often, uh, you know, And everybody has got to make money. This show's got to make money, right? That's, that's what happens. It's got to get paid for, but we shouldn't be missing what we ought to be doing together. And I think a great powerful thing, for us together as listeners, as people who are believers, is that there's an awful lot of issues where we can actually find common ground, even on the left and right. And this is one of them. So thank you for your help with all of that. And, uh, we are disappointed, but we will get back to it. And I think um, I think we're going to do something. I think we're going to see something very, very good with that. All right. Hey, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Today is Open Line Friday. Do you have something that you want to talk about? Questions that are on your mind about the, the world, about something going on, about uh, anything at all, about the Bible? You want to talk about it? Give me a call right now 888 528 2557. 888-528-2557, that's the number, that's 888-LA-TALKS, if you need to remember it more easily, 888-LA-TALKS, and you can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, shifting gears, it is a baseball opening day, and... Um, I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not, but I'd like to point that out. It matters to Southern California. We've got the Dodgers, of course, and we got the Angels, and we've got um, the uh, Padres down in San Diego who lost last night. A lot of baseball going on here in Southern California. And we have the 2022 world champion Dodgers, as manager Dave Roberts has already told us they will be. It reminds me of a, uh, an old story. Uh, a joke about, uh, baseball in heaven. I personally do believe that there will probably be baseball in heaven because obviously God likes baseball. That's my thought. The joke goes like this, that, uh, a man goes to heaven and, uh, he is, uh, he dies, but then he's, he's brought back. And his friend says, what was it like? You went to heaven. You got to see what's going on. And the man says, well, I have some good news and some bad news for you. He says, yeah, what is it? Well, the good news is there is baseball in heaven. He and his friend says, that is fantastic news. I've always thought there would be baseball in heaven. Well, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is, is that on Friday, you're the starting pitcher. Ah, see, that's a pretty good joke. You can you can tell the same joke about golf or whatever sport might be your, your thing. Um, 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Um, lots of things going on in the news today. Um, Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown Jackson was confirmed today by the United States Senate. Here's what she had to say. It has taken 232 years and 115 prior appointments for a black woman to be selected to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. But we've made it. We've made it, all of us, all of us. And so there was a big celebration with President Biden on the White House uh, South Lawn today. And, uh, you know, I think we need to say congratulations. I think whether you agree with where she's coming from or not, um, somebody made it to the Supreme Court. And I think it does matter to a lot of people that she's the first African-American woman to make it. I think under the times that we live in where there's just a lot of tension You know, this shows something that is happening in our country where there's so much tension saying, oh, these things are happening. Actually, it is kind of a big deal that in 150 years, that's way too long, obviously, but that there is still progress that this is there. And if you're critical of her, be critical of her decisions that might come later if you're not on her side of the aisle of things and pray for her. Pray that maybe she will make decisions that are right for our country that are godly decisions, this is how I'm praying for her. She has a Christian background. She has a a Baptist background, okay? And uh, I don't know what her personal faith is. And when you have those hearings, they just – they're insane. Um, We – I think they've been insane actually for about 30 years. They they haven't been normal since – there was a couple during the Clinton administration where, you know, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who of course is very far left, she was confirmed unanimously by the Senate. Um, there was a time when the attitude in the Senate was, well, if the president nominates this person, so long as they pass the exam, we give them. And as long as they are qualified technically, well, we'll put them on the court. That was the attitude today. We have so much division over so many different things. And with good reason, we have, we have different philosophies about the court altogether. And, um, it's probably gone those days of, of unanimity Uh, I don't think that's the the way it ought to be, but I think that's the way it is. And we have a lot of concerns because we're not sure that our justices are doing justice and not legislating from the bench, as we like to say. Uh, Some people feel that that's okay that they do that. Some people feel that it's not okay. And that's where a lot of our differences are. And really, frankly, a lot of it has to do with not the justices themselves, It has to do with the the politics of left and right and pleasing your base on the left and right. And that's where a lot of the comments are. That's where a lot of the stuff is. And I I watched the hearings and, you know, when she was asked, you know, how would you define a woman and she can't do that, ask a biologist – you know, that bugs me. It's sort of like, are we really at a place where you can't say you an answer about this? A a woman is a female human being. A woman is a a human being with female genitalia. A woman is a, a, a childbearing human being. There's so many ways you could quickly answer that question. There's so many different things you can do that. And I think that obviously she has an answer to that. If you're sitting with her having coffee, she's going to give you – she's not going to say, well, you're going to have to talk to a biologist. She's not going to say that. Nobody says that. I think that there is so much pressure that is put on people politically, and you have handlers, and they're like, don't answer that question. If this comes up, don't even say anything. And that's been going on for years. That's been going on since, uh, if you want to look into where it all changed, it changed with a guy named uh, Judge Bork. Uh, we used to say uh, somebody got Borked. He was a Supreme Court justice who was incredibly well qualified, um, but for political reasons, he was rejected. He, he didn't make it. And uh, it used to be something called Borked. and ever since then the the hearings are bad. So my thought is, you pray for all of our Supreme Court justices. And you pray for uh, Ketanji uh, Brown Jackson. And uh, my prayer, you know, my my thinking from where I my perspective is, is that you know she might not rule in the philosophy that I would like on the Supreme Court. I'm looking for people who t- interpret the Constitution. I'm looking for Supreme Court justices, by the way, who will hold Congress accountable for doing Congress's job, who stops in who stop sending things to the Supreme Court to make the Supreme Court make the laws that instead the Supreme Court should just send it back. Say, we're not here to make the laws. You do it. That's Congress's job. It's not the president's job. It's you the know, president's job is to sign it. It's not the Supreme Court's job. Um We celebrated the anniversary of Obamacare this week. Some of you celebrated. Some of you didn't. Um But Obamacare passed 12 years ago. And, you know, one of the things that happened there was that had the the mandated payment, right? And they didn't call it a tax. It was a tax. You could make it legal if it was a tax. And it, it passed because Justice Roberts decided to say that effectively this is a tax. And so the bill passes um, – the bill will be approved, upheld, because it's actually a tax. Uh, I think his thinking was right about that. I don't think his job was to say that. I think his job was to say – Congress needs to call it a tax and then vote against it. And then Congress would have to do it again and send it back through the system. That's what needs to happen more often. And when the Supremes decide that they're going to do Congress's job and rewrite a law, they're making a mistake. And uh, we've seen that. We're going to see, I think, I think we will probably see um, Roe versus Wade overturned this summer. I think there's a real good chance of that. However, uh, what they're really going to do is uphold the 15-week Mississippi law that says no abortions after 15 weeks except for certain circumstances. Um, most abortions happen before 15 weeks. I think that they will essentially overturn Roe versus Wade and the language in that law that gives a trimester system that is obsolete, that is not medical, that never should have been a part of that decision anyway because that was once again the Supreme Court creating law that states and the Congress are supposed to do, and that's why – you know, Obviously, it's uh, contentious because of abortion, which I think is uh, the worst thing going on probably in uh, the world today and certainly in our country. I think they're going to overturn that, but I think they're going to uphold 15 weeks, and that's not going to change anything in California, and that's not going to change much in any state. Some states will then pass laws, and some are already doing it. Uh, some have already passed laws that will go into effect immediately once they do that, that restrict abortion much more. In California, though, we're not going to see that. We're going to see actually expanded abortion rights, no matter what is decided this summer. Um, that kind of decision making happens on the Supreme Court, so it matters. You got to pray. You got to pray for these people, and and especially when they have a a Christian background, that maybe if they really know the Lord, the Holy Spirit will convict and say, "Hey, you've got a position of power now to do something to help those people who are helpless, to help the voiceless have a voice." which is what this is about. Anyway, she's there. Let's, uh, we'll pray for her that she does well, and maybe um, uh, she will end up doing some great things on the court. That's how we have to pray and hope, and we can be critical if those decisions come that ought to be criticized. 888-528-2557. That's the number here. It's Open Line Friday on Southern California Live. We'll talk about whatever it is that is on your mind um give us a call 888-528-2557 we will continue with the Friday edition of SoCal Live in just a moment stay tuned all right welcome back everybody Southern California Live Dodgers opening day Dodgers win today 5 to 3 over the Colorado Rockies and uh, we won't get into any of that too much. Uh, I've had this thought, though. Are you going to go to ball games today? San Diego, Los Angeles, California Angels, Southern California Baseball. Are you going? It's getting expensive. It's getting really, really expensive. I remember not too long ago. Well, I guess it's been a while. But I remember being able to go to the ballpark and you can get tickets at uh, Dodger Stadium in the Pavilion for five bucks. That used to be at Stand in line, buy a ticket. Those days are over. And it seems like not too long ago, you could even get in for maybe $15, $17. I think most of those tickets are gone now in most places. It's getting expensive, and players are making more and more money. Aaron Judge in the Yankees is asking for an awful lot of money, and he's saying if he doesn't get his contract extension under his terms, uh, then he is out after this year from the Yankees and will become a free agent. And uh, he is asking for a huge amount of money. The Yankees have proposed a deal for more than $225 million. Uh, that's a lot of money. If you thought about that, that's, a, that's an awful lot of money. What would you do with $225 million, especially when you have a job when you uh, have 162 games a year? and uh, You do have to travel a lot, but the uh, team pays for that, pay for your hotel, pay for an awful lot of stuff. $225 million he's rejecting. That's a lot of money. That is an awful lot of money. You know, in um, San Diego, one of the things that happened that brought the Chargers to Los Angeles, and I've always thought this was amazing. The Chargers wanted a brand new stadium in San Diego, and there was a proposal that was on the ballot for San Diego voters that would have expanded the the convention center and built a brand new Charger stadium downtown, and the cost was around three hundred and some million dollars, three hundred thirty million dollars, I think, uh, to the taxpayer to the city. and to the teams and uh, they voted no same year right after that the Padres signed Manny Machado for 330 million dollars one player so the Chargers come to LA because they weren't willing to spend 330 million dollars but the Padres in baseball sw- uh, spend it on one guy uh that's an incredible incredible thing how does that make you feel you can call in if you want to add anything to the conversation 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 cost of living cost of having fun it is going up it's affecting it's affecting all of us i my my wife and i were out today and um we went to lunch and i used an app to pay at the place that uh, we went to uh, i won't tell you the name of the place we went to um but they have cows outside advertising for them. And, uh, I was surprised at, uh, I used my app and I had money like on the app. You ever do that? Put some money on the app, gift card or whatever. And it was just her and me. And I used the app and I thought that would be plenty to pay for it. And it wasn't. And I didn't understand when the cashier was saying, you still owe me a dollar 60. And I said, no, I used my app. And she goes a dollar 60. I said, I know I've got $18 on the app. And she goes, well, it wasn't enough. Oh, you're right, and uh, this is one of the cheaper places to go. Uh, go get yourself a burrito someplace. You might not walk out of there for less than twenty bucks if you get a if you get a drink uh, with it. You know, a gallon of Mountain Dew or something like that. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Are you uh, hanging in there? Gas prices are down a couple of pennies here in uh, Southern California today. That's good, I guess. A couple of pennies. We'll save it wherever we can, but it's still six bucks in most places, six dollars uh, gas. I, I Hopefully, I am wrong. I I thought we might be seeing eight or nine dollar a gallon gas, That we still might see that in the summer. I, I'm still going to hold to that, that there will be a time when we see eight to nine dollar gas, I'm going to say at some point this year, um, but I will gladly be wrong about that. Can you imagine? That is just so much. And now we're you know, the electric car, they want you to go get just buy an electric car. That's no problem. Well, that's $55,000 plus electric bill. You know, it's not free electricity that you put into the, your, your electric car. You plug it into your wall or you plug it in somewhere and you pay for that. It's about 11 bucks last night. In fact, that's an old number. I think it's more like 16 or 17 now, $17 in electric cost to fill up your uh, electric car, depending on the size of it it's getting very very expensive that's the world we we live in and uh that's kind of where we are all right so a few other things going on in the news uh today um you know i hesitate even sometimes to, to talk about these things but um covid news is is there like there's still some covid things i'm i'm hoping that we're done with it uh, Christy and I were, were looking for a high school for our son who will graduate next year from the eighth grade. Do you graduate from the eighth grade? Do you have a ceremony for the eighth grade? There's a whole discussion of that. I had one. My wife doesn't believe that there should be eighth grade graduation because she didn't have one. It's not really graduation. You go from eighth grade to, to ninth grade. I had one. I had kindergarten graduation. In kindergarten, we had caps and gowns, and they played the song, na 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 na, na. And I remember it was green. That was the color of my school. And we turned the little, we moved the little tassel over, and we got a little diploma going into the first grade. It was awesome. And then in the eighth grade, we had full blown graduation caps and gowns, the whole thing. We all graduated. Did you see my wife, Christy? She didn't. She grew up in Washington State. I guess they don't do that up there. They just boot you right from eighth grade, right into uh, ninth grade. You graduate high school. Uh, that's what happens. And yes, I did. In case you're wondering, I did graduate high school also. And uh, they played the same song. I think at all three of them, they, they played the same song. And uh, anyway, so we're looking for a high school for my son. And one of the questions we asked was, what is the policy for COVID? What did you guys do during COVID? How did that go? And it's funny that we'd have to ask that question, but it matters a lot, doesn't it? Because the studies are saying that the kids did not do very well. The studies are saying that the kids did not respond very well to to COVID. And they're saying that uh, the masks uh, were not something that was effective. And the little kids especially really struggled if you had the, the distance learning. And you know this if you're a parent. And it was very, very difficult. And they didn't learn to read, especially – kindergarten first second grade that age range they didn't learn some of the things that they really needed to learn and they're behind and hopefully our schools will be catching them up but even as they get older we had to ask what are you going to do we're we're looking for private schools it's very expensive it's hard to do and i know that's hard for each one of us uh, to do but if you're if you're able to sacrifice able to get some extra work you know i think it's worth it for your kids there's also great homeschool options and if you can't do that then I strongly encourage you with your public school, just be involved. Go to the meetings, join the PTA, go to the school board, just sit there and find out what's being done. Ask them where the money's going. Ask them for transparency with how they are spending tax dollars. What books are they buying for the library? What kinds of curriculum are being bought for other things? And, you know, the more transparent it is, I think the more accountability there will be. And that's a good thing our uh, vice president has um so our vice president no it's jen Psaki. somebody has uh somebody has the covid uh it's, it's uh it's a uh, nancy pelosi i get lost because everybody's gotten the covid at some point so uh, nancy pelosi has the covid and uh the question come up came up about the masking policy and why wasn't she wearing a mask this was jen saki's response I will tell you that the vice president has been wearing a mask inside when there was a private greet. They were all wearing masks uh, d- we b- before they went out wearing a mask yesterday at the Senate. So she was uh, playing an important role in in confirming or overseeing the confirmation of the first black woman to the Supreme Court. So. Uh- what they're talking about is Vice President Harris had the COVID and then uh, Pelosi has it. And they were all around President Biden, who to to date has not gotten it. And, you know, there's so much about the masks. And the, the strangest thing is we see it. We see it where they're wearing the mask in one setting and not in another. That's exactly the same thing. And I think this has damaged our credibility when it comes to this. And it's a serious thing. And the COVID is has not gone away. I'm real curious to how we're going to deal with it after the election this year. I think that's highly political, and we may not see a lot of changes until the election comes, and it depends on how things are going once we get to September, October, and people are voting. Um, And then after the November election, the November midterms, I'll be real curious. Do we have a lot of COVID cases? Are we bringing back the masks? Are we bringing back um, the quarantines, all of that kind of stuff? Is this going to be a yearly thing? So those are some questions that we are asking the school, you know, and they're kind of like, well, here's what we did before. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, But it's all a challenge. 888-528-2557 is the number for SoCal Live. You can call in right now and join our conversation. 888-528-2557 with anything that is on your mind that you like to talk about for Open Line Friday. That's what we're doing. Do you think COVID is over or do you think it's coming back? Do you have a sense that uh, maybe next year, I think it's around forever, right? It's the endemic stage, they say. It doesn't go away. It becomes part of our life. The different variants get, hopefully, they get less and less deadly, and it becomes another virus that's going around. Um, They are saying now a fourth, maybe fifth shot will be necessary, although the study says that the Pfizer booster, the most recent one, only gives you, you know, what, six or seven weeks of protection is it worth getting a booster shot for six or seven weeks of protection? That just seems like such a short amount. And how would you even know if it takes a couple of weeks to, you know, when does that six or seven weeks start? That whole thing is just getting really kind of wacky, isn't it? 888-528-2557. I don't know if we're even paying attention to that. That's just something I read. I went five or six weeks. Why would anybody get that? You got a thought about it? Is that worth it to you? 888-528-2557 if you want to chime in on that number hey this is open line friday southern california live on a beautiful a beautiful afternoon here in the southland i hope that you are enjoying it it's hot but i hope that you can get out and enjoy your day we got a couple of uh, calls and messages from you that we'll respond to when we get back from the break and um we're looking forward to doing that you can still call in the last segment here 888-528-2557 this is the friday edition of socal live stay tuned Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you today. Open line Friday, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS is the number. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And uh, we got a message from one uh, listener who wanted me to comment on, I guess there's a church in uh, Chicago And what they've been doing for Lent is banning all hymns by Caucasian ministers, and the pastor says that the music during the 40 days of Lent in that church will be drawn from the African-American spirituals tradition. Uh, I'm not really sure where the caller is coming from with that, what my thoughts are. I don't know. I don't go to that church. Um, There's some great music in that spiritual tradition, Uh, so I hope that they enjoy it. The pastor of that church is white, and uh, I looked it up assuming I'm looking at the right church, I realize there's a lot of politics and a lot of racial stuff, and we're fasting from whiteness is what they say, and that's part of a lot of the language that is, is used right now. I guess, you know what, if you go to that church, I think you should, you should talk about it within your church and maybe within your community. Is this something that's going to reach the community with the gospel of Christ? Are you going to be able to invite the people that God has placed in your life because of that, or do you feel like at that church that uh, you can 't invite your your friends to church because that 's going on? I think that would be my my approach to that if if this were my church i don 't this is what they actually say at that church okay um, lent twenty twenty two fasting from whiteness. For Lent this year, First United is doing a mix of giving something up and taking something on. In our worship services through Lent, we will not be using any music or liturgy written or composed by white people. Our music will be drawn from the African American spiritual, African American spiritual tradition, from South African freedom songs, from Native American traditions, and many more. For Lent, it is our prayer that in our spiritual disciplines, we may grow as Christians, united in the body of Christ with people of all ages, nations, races and origins uh you know i realize that there's a whole lot there that you might have gone to it i i just think that if it's not your church right now uh think about it in your context that's halfway across the country and i would wonder what do they mean by uh native american traditions and many more i don't think it's wrong to spend some time bringing in other traditions and saying hey um, I think also we probably sing an awful lot of songs that are written by non-white people, then we don't really know it. Um, I don't think it's wrong to point that out, because of the the family of God, we're going to be all nations. When we make disciples, we're commanded to go make disciples of all nations. That, I think, is the is the approach that we should have to it. I realize there's the politics and the, the wokeness sound of all of that, and it sounds, you know, you might be able to read that and go, that's pretty divisive. That might be where the uh, caller is coming from. Uh, with that, and I understand that. But I don't know enough about it, and what I would say is, in the context of that church, is it bringing people to Christ or is it pushing them away? Uh, if it's pushing them away, then it's completely wrong to do it. We, we are not, on the left or the right, uh, supposed to be uh, you know, dividing people on academic theories or other things. We really have to focus on the kingdom of God. We really need to be doing what Jesus wants us to do. You know, and it's just when we, when we start to go down the path of, of just politics, are we, are we really helping people come to Christ or are we pushing them away? And maybe this is what we should pray. We should pray, hey, if this is pushing people away from Christ, I mean, it's creating a national story and controversy. It, it's, I don't know if non-Christians, I'd love to know if you're not a believer and you hear that, how does that make you feel? Is it, do you care? Uh, does it make you more likely to go hear the message of Christ? There are some great songs that uh, are are beautiful that maybe you've never heard before. Maybe that church has never heard before and they need to, I don't even know if this is, it's got a white pastor. I don't know if it's a white church a black church or who goes there. I have no idea. Um, and you know, so there's something going on there. I would want to know, is it bringing people to Jesus or not? Gen, you know, a lot of the time when we get political, when we get left and right, we are not doing a good job at focusing on the main things. And that would be my encouragement, uh, to you. And if it's, if it's bothering you, if you go to that church, then go talk to the pastor about it. Um, if you feel like it's not helping you make disciples, if you feel like you can no longer bring people to church. Uh, I don't know anything about that church. Maybe a lot of churches, you know, today, they've stopped preaching the gospel a long time ago, Um, and there's churches on the left and right. That's a big deal. That is the big deal. You know, are we a church, are we, does my church believe that salvation through Jesus Christ is necessary? I'll give you one. Do we believe that, that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, or is he just the best way? There's a huge difference between those two things. What does your church teach? I'd be interested in knowing that. Um, You know, if if in my church – we've done something in my church that actually has been wildly successful at bringing in people from all walks of life. We call it a missions fair. And what we do is we ask people to create – we do missions from different parts of the world, but then we ask people to bring in food that has something to do with their ethnic background. And, you know, what's interesting about that is we get food from all over the world, and it isn't like, you know, Caucasian or just African-American. It's, it's okay, if you're from Africa, maybe you're going to bring in Nigerian food, something from there. If you're a white person, maybe you're bringing in something from Romania, or you're bringing something from uh, uh, Switzerland. You know, there's there's a whole lot of different things that can come together. And the reason I think it works really well is that we invite the neighborhood. It's not about... Um, the any conversation at all about academic theories or CRT or any of that. We want to celebrate the fact that the family of God is people made in His image, and it's remarkably successful. I suppose there's some people who say, "Ah, you shouldn't do that." Well, I don't know. I think it works. My concern in in looking at this is that it's not about not about Christ. If it is, then great, do it, and don't worry about the the criticism. Bring people to Christ. If it's not about Christ, if it's not about the kingdom of God, if it's not about making disciples, if it's about making a political statement for the sake of making a political statement, don't do it. Uh, why would the Holy Spirit be a part of that? You can chime in on the subject, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Steve from Santa Monica, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Hi um- there. You know, I think one of the problems evangelical Christians have is they do drive people away from Christ because they're so political. They're so conservative, so anti back, so anti-mask, so pro-Trump. I mean, you have rallies of, uh, of Christians now that talk about how Jesus wanted Trump to be elected and he was denied the election. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a big article in the New York Times yesterday about some rally in Tennessee. And... So you know, I think I think evangelical Christians are doing more to drive young people away from Christianity with that kind of political conservative rhetoric, instead of talking about Christ, the Gospels. Uh, that I mean, I think evangelical Christianity is in a bad place right now. I, think, I really do. I think what you find, Steve. Thank you for your call. I think that you find that a lot of people are driven away when it is so clearly uh, political. I know a church where the entire sermon one time was about the border wall, and and people just thought, you know, and these are people who want a border wall, probably people who voted for Trump, but some of them said, you know, why are we talking about that on, on Sunday? Maybe we should be talking about on Sunday, how do we go care for people, whichever side of the border they happen to be on? You know, this is something that i say to people on issues like that. Like if you are – if you're for open borders and you're compassionate about immigrants and that whole issue, my question to you is are you going down to uh, the border to help? There's people suffering right on the other side of the fence. And there's people on this side who have come over, sometimes legally, sometimes it's illegal, but they've been allowed to be here. You know, are you – are you personally involved or is it just a Twitter hashtag for you? Or if you're for the border wall and you want a closed border and, and all of that, fine. But are you doing mission trips to Mexico, Central America? Are you helping create a circumstance where the issue no longer is an issue? That's the, that's the solution ultimately is that this hemisphere becomes uh, a lot more um, safe for people, particularly in Central America, where the governments in Central America – Begin to invest in the middle class where poverty, the extreme poverty that's down there that's just a couple hours from us is addressed. You know, if these governments were to address that down there, if, if I were president and I could leverage the power of the United States and if I were to leverage it in such a way that some people have thought we've been bullies, I would want to go to these countries and say, you need to fix these problems of, of poverty and drugs. How can I help you? And that might be a good investment for us to do that. And, you know, the thing is, is that it resolves all sides of the border issue. Uh, you know, for uh, we're running out of time here, and this is a great topic for a complete show, uh, which we'll do pretty soon. When we just get on one side or the other, the issues are so much deeper uh than that. And I think that does chase some people away. And the younger people the people younger people like i mentioned the other day the studies are saying that there's actually more young people going to evangelical churches now than in the last 50 years did you know that that doesn't sound like what you hear because what we hear all the time is that there's a lot more younger people who are saying they're not christians that they are religious nuns is what they're called n-o-n-e and that also is true but the ones who are coming to church are devout and there's actually more coming who are devout, and they're devout about the scriptures, about making disciples, and they've got political opinions, and some of them are in churches on the right and left where it gets real political. But a lot of what they're looking for is, hey, we have opinions, but how can we actually do what God wants us to do and do this? You know, the the church is successful regardless of what the government is. The government is not going to end the church. It just changes the way we do it, um, but it's... The church is wildly successful in China where it is illegal and persecuted. It's wildly successful right now in Iran where it is persecuted. Go to one of those websites like Open Doors that tracks religious persecution, and what you're going to find is that the place where the church is growing the most in the world in most cases is in the most persecuted countries. And it's because they don't have time to talk about the politics. They don't have time to talk about the carpet and the music and all the stuff that we're blessed to be able to talk about. So let me leave you with this encouragement. Whatever your situation is, uh, focus on the gospel of Christ. Um, It isn't that we as a church shouldn't be addressing issues. We started this hour by addressing human trafficking, and it shouldn't be a left or right issue. There are times and places where the church united together needs to speak out in defense of children, to speak out uh, in defense of people who are being harmed, of the evil of our society. But we need to do that with truth, and with patience, and with accuracy, and grace, and there's a whole lot that we can do. Focus on making disciples in your relational world and in your community, and I think that you will see God bless your church, and God will grow your faith. That's my encouragement. We are out of time for today. A good topic, good discussion. We'll keep talking about that as we do right here on Southern California Live. It's three to five every weekday. God bless you. I'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend.